Well, good morning, everyone. It's good to greet you this morning. We are continuing our sermon series in the book of John, in the book of John, the Gospel of John. So if you have your Bibles with you, I want you to turn to John chapter 12. John chapter 12. John is the fourth book in the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And uh, we're looking at the 12th chapter. And uh, if you don't have your Bibles with you, we'll have our scripture reading up on the big screen here. But we're looking at John chapter 12, starting with verse 1 and going through verse 8. And I believe this may be a familiar portion of scripture, a familiar story uh, for some of you. So I'm starting with verse 1 here. John 12, verse 1. Six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany, where Lazarus lived whom Jesus had raised from the dead. If you were here last week, we talked about uh, Jesus, Jesus raising Lazarus, calling him forth from the tomb. Verse 2, here a dinner was given in Jesus' honor. Martha served while Lazarus was among those reclining at the table with him. Then Mary took about a pint of pure nard, an expensive perfume, and she poured it on Jesus' feet and wiped his feet with her hair. I'm going to stop for a moment, and I'm going to, looks like I have a bar up here. But here's a little mason jar. Those of you that came to our father-daughter banquet last Friday, uh, we had a great time, and uh, everybody got a mason jar. We filled it up with lemonade. But this is about 16 ounces. This is about a pint. So the scriptures tells us Mary had a pint of perfume, Very, very expensive perfume. This is a lot. 16 ounces is a lot. This is a 20-ounce bottle, so it's almost this full, maybe. But can you imagine that much perfume? And uh, But it says, Mary took about a pint of pure nard, an expensive perfume, and she poured it on Jesus' feet, and then she wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. You can just imagine that. The contents of this entire jar, perfume, being poured on Jesus, going through his clothing, through him, onto the floor, onto the table, onto the chair, onto everything. And the aroma filled that room. But one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, says in verse 4, who was later to betray him, objected. Why wasn't this perfume sold and the money given to the poor? It's worth a year's wages. And John goes on in verse 6, he says, It did not say this, he did not say this, because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. And we know what happens later on to Judas Iscariot. As a keeper of the money bag, he used it to help himself to what was put into it. And then Jesus replied, and I can imagine Jesus replying in a pretty firm voice, And he says, leave her alone. Leave her alone, Judas. It was intended that she should save this perfume for the day of my burial. You will always have the poor among you, but you will not always have me. Let's pray together. Our Heavenly Father, we ask you this morning that as we look into your word, that you would help us to understand. I pray, Father, that you would give us a teachable spirit this morning, an open and a receptive mind and heart to receive your word. Help us, Lord, to listen. Help us to be obedient, to put into practice what you have for us this day. 
And Lord, we thank you for this story that took place in your son's Jesus' life. And we pray, Lord, that we too may bow down at Jesus' feet and worship him with all of our heart, our mind, our soul, and our spirit. And Lord, I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, the Croc Center recently rented out our field. And have you ever been down to our field out on the other side of our property? It's about three and a half acres. It's a big recreation field. We use it to play soccer. We have different events on it. But a family wanted to rent the field for a 16th birthday party. And so the family of this very lucky girl, went, they went all out in planning this event and throwing this huge 16th birthday party. They started out with this huge tent, bigger than this building right here, this huge tent, and lots of other small tents, because they had invited over 500 people to this party on our field. And it was in the evening, so they had to bring in lights to light up the field, and they had to bring in generators to power the lights, and they even had to bring in these, a portable restroom on a trailer, and, and the restrooms were air-conditioned coolest spot in the house. They had valet parking. Can you imagine that? Valet parking. In addition to all the food and all the, all the poo-poos that were there, there was a tons of food. They even brought in a Leonard's Malasada's truck. That was dessert. You could go right up to the truck and get some freshly made Malasada's. And for entertainment, they brought in another truck. It was a gaming truck. So you'd go inside and you could play a bunch of video games. They had hula dancers. They had lion dancers. They even had a fire dancer. And to top it all off, the birthday girl was actually flown in on a helicopter and landed on our field. It was amazing. It was an amazing 16th birthday party. They never had those kinds of parties when I turned 16. (laughs) So everything was planned out and everything was carried out with great care and And no expense was spared for this birthday party. It was amazing. Now, some people may call this extravagant, wouldn't you? And may think that all this wasn't necessary and even a waste of money. But for this family, it was an important milestone celebration. It was a special time for their friends and for their family. But more importantly, it was a special time for that relationship with their daughter and with the rest of the family. You see, it brought out the best in each of them individually and as a family. It was certainly an extravagant affair. Well, I tell you this because that's sort of like today's story that I read in the 12th chapter of John. You see, as you read that story, and if you really and we're going to get more into that story this morning, Some people see a story of extravagant love, while others only see a story of foolish waste. 16 ounces of very expensive perfume cost quite a bit. But this is one of the most interesting stories in the New Testament. In fact, this story is so important that it's not only recorded here in the Gospel of John, but it's also recorded in two other Gospels. It's recorded in the Gospel of Matthew, Matthew chapter 26, as well as the Gospel of Mark, Mark chapter 14. 
And if you have your Bibles and you want to look back to those references, feel free to do that. You can see the same story. There's a little bit of twist on it, a little bit different perspective, but it's the same story. So let me give you a little bit of context about this story. Let me give you a little bit of background of what's going on at the particular time of this story. Some of the religious leaders were plotting and planning to arrest Jesus and put him, as well as Lazarus, to death. This story takes place just a few days before Jesus' triumphal entry into Jerusalem, what we celebrate as Palm Sunday now. And we know what happens after Palm Sunday during that week. A few days after that follows Jesus' arrest, his trial, and his crucifixion. And just a few days before, we need to remember that in chapter 11, John chapter 11, that Jesus had raised Lazarus from the dead. So all of these things are sort of taking place, and that's the background, and that's the context. And now we get into chapter 12. We see Jesus at a dinner party, and the party's given in his honor. And both Matthew and Mark, both accounts say that this party was at the home of Simon the leper. Simon the leper. Now imagine if you were invited to a dinner party, and they said, do you want to come to a party? Yeah, where's it at? It's at Simon the leper's house. How many of you want to go to a leper's house? <laughs> right? But apparently Simon must have been a former leper. He was probably healed by Jesus. But he went by that name, and he probably wore that name like a badge. My name is Simon the leper, but I no longer have leprosy because Jesus healed me. So here at this party, at Simon's house, we find Jesus and all of his disciples. And we also find Lazarus and Martha and Mary. And of course, again, in the back of everyone's mind, is this wonderful miracle that Jesus performed just a few days earlier, where he raised a dead man from the grave. And so what a joyful time of celebration for Jesus and for his followers. And so this is what it says in the Gospel of Mark, Mark chapter 14, verse 3. And it says, While he was in Bethany, reclining at the table in the home of a man known as Simon the leper, a woman came in with an alabaster jar of very, very expensive perfume made of pure nard. She broke the jar and poured the perfume on his head. So if you can imagine this scene as they are eating, as they are talking story around the table, Mary enters with an alabaster jar of extremely expensive perfume. And in those days, it was a mark of hospitality to put a drop or two of perfume on the head of an honored guest. But Mary didn't stop at just a drop or two. The scriptures tell us she broke the jar. She didn't just take the cover off or unseal it. It says she broke the jar. She poured the whole thing over Jesus' head. Sort of reminds me, do you guys remember last year sometime they had that, um, that ice bucket challenge? 
Remember that was the latest fad? People would videotape someone dumping a bunch of ice cold water on you and they would send it around and, every, and they would raise money for that actually. Well, that was the ice bucket challenge. This was the expensive perfume challenge. So we see that she just didn't break the seal, but it was the bottle itself that was broke. And we don't know what was on her mind at the time. She may have broken it. She may have broken it because she intended to use all of the perfume and not keep any to herself. You see, there was a custom that if a very distinguished guest used a glass, they would break that glass so that no lesser person would ever use that glass again. That may have been in her thoughts as well. But whatever her reason, whatever her reason for doing that, for breaking the the jar, for pouring the perfume on Jesus' head and on his feet, and for wiping it with her hair, whatever her reason was, if you can imagine the scene, if you can imagine the reactions around the room, this was something that was totally out of the norm, completely extravagant. If you were there, you would smell the powerful aroma filling your nostrils. Some would see her as an intruder. Some would be in shock. You would hear the people, even the disciples of Jesus, whispering, she she has no respect. She has no respect for herself. She has no respect for Jesus. She has no respect for us. How dare you, Mary, dishonoring Jesus like that? Don't you know, Mary? It's a violation of our laws, for a woman to touch a man in public, especially a rabbi. Who does she think she is anyway? You can just hear the whispers. You can just hear the chatter as Mary worships the Lord Jesus Christ. And then there's some of the more practical people, and they see this act, and they think of it as a huge, huge waste. Now, you know what? I I tend to be pretty practical myself. I like to call myself thrifty from time to time. I have my Chinese brother here, Thomas. We're both pake. So we're both thrifty. That's what we call ourselves. People call us cheapskates. But we're thrifty. But if if I was there, I would probably be thinking the same thing. Why are you wasting all of that precious, precious perfume? Why can't you just put a few drops on Jesus? Why do you have to waste so much? You see, this perfume, as the scriptures tells us, was valued at more than one year's wage. More than one year's wage of a laborer. If you do the math, say someone's getting $8 an hour, $8 an hour times 8 hours a day times 5 days a week times 52 weeks in a year, that's more than $16,000. $16,000 worth of perfume. That's a lot of money for one bottle of perfume. It's even more than I've spent on perfume for Debbie. So you can imagine the criticism You can imagine the people talking about her. 
People totally misunderstanding the motives and the reasons behind Mary's spontaneous action. You see, Mary's action of anointing and wiping Jesus' feet in public was an act of loving extravagance, of spontaneous generosity. Speaking of extravagance, did you hear about the woman? Did you hear about the woman who dreamed of owning a new Ferrari sports car? Have you heard this one? When her husband asked her what she wanted for her birthday, she told him, Honey, I want something shiny that goes from zero to 200 in less than 15 seconds. So you know what he bought her? He bought her a brand new, shiny, silver, chrome-plated bathroom scale. Went from zero to hundred in about two seconds. <laughs> by the way, um, by the way, his funeral is on Tuesday. <clears throat> but Webster's dictionary defines extravagance like this: extravagance. It's spending more money than one can afford, or spending foolishly, or spending carelessly or wastefully, using too much of anything involving expense, going beyond what is reasonable, going beyond what is justified, going beyond what is normal, exaggerated, over-emphatic. You know, the love that Jesus seeks is not measured. It's not limited. Mary gave it all. She was extravagant. She was spontaneous. She broke and poured out the whole thing. And how often, how often are we careful and sometimes too careful and we miss the chance to show our love for Jesus? Sometimes the chance to show love in a certain way only comes once. We may feel the nudge in our hearts to do some impulsive and extravagant act of love. But reasonableness and practicality overrides it. And we don't do it. We are careful and guarded and prudent. Jesus seeks followers who will break and spill out their lives for him in extravagant love. You know, I've had the privilege of knowing a few saints. And for the most part, they haven't become famous, they're not household names. But they are simple, anonymous people, like Mary in our story, who poured out her life for the Lord. I think of missionaries. I think of missionaries I've known who who left the comforts of life here to live in very challenging situations. They poured out their lives in extravagant love for Jesus. I think of people who leave well-paying jobs and careers to respond to full-time service in Christian ministry, much like Jennifer is, and so many others I know. I think of people who teach in our schools and pour themselves into children in spite of the nominal pay and the challenging conditions. I think of people 
who are witnesses at work and aren't afraid to speak the name of Jesus. The people who break and spill out their lives for Christ. These people are rarely the famous ones. They're the anonymous ones. They're the anonymous everyday saints. And as I look around this room, I see some of you in our congregation. You know, it was Martin Luther King Jr. who said this. He said, everybody can be great because anybody can serve. You don't have to have a college degree to serve. You don't have to make your subject and verb agree to serve. You only need a heart full of grace, a soul generated by love. You see, we serve Jesus by serving people. Now, Jesus isn't physically with us today, but he, is with, but he is with us in all the people around us, especially those in need. And when we pour out our lives for people, we are doing it for Jesus' sake. It was Jesus who said this, As you have done it for the least of these, my brethren, you've done it unto me. So you see, the point of this story is not so much the money involved, but it's the love expressed. It's a love that flowed from gratitude. You see, of all the guests around that dinner table that night, Mary may well have been the only one to understand what was ahead. You see, Mary had sat at Jesus' feet. He had heard his teachings. She had seen many of his miracles and heard of others. She had witnessed him bring her own beloved brother back to life. She had heard him say he was soon to be crucified for the sins of the world, including her very own. How do you say thank you for something like that? How would you do it if you were in Mary's shoes? You see, extravagant love is the proper response to extravagant grace. You know, this story also points out a contrast between what I call extravagant love and cheap love. Cheap love finds excuses. It asks how much I have to give or how much do I need to give? What's the minimum I have to give just to get by? That's cheap love. Extravagant love, on the other hand, has no limits and has no questions. And it gives so freely and gives with such great joy. Extravagant love cares little for what others would say or do. Extravagant love sees only the blessing of the Lord and an opportunity to honor Him. Extravagant love is given with no strings attached. And isn't that the best kind of love? If you're on the receiving end of it, real love is love given without any strings attached. So in light of what he's done for us, I want you to think about your own life and your own personal relationship with Jesus Christ as we come to a close this morning. In light of what he's done for us, how extravagantly have you demonstrated your love for him? Have you you given to him from your substance? Or do you merely just give to him from your leftovers? 
You know, one of the things that struck me while I was studying this week, this passage, as I looked at the different characters in the story, it struck me how, how much I'm like Judas Iscariot. How tight-fisted and stingy I am. And how stingy we all can be when it comes to giving of ourselves and giving of our time and giving of our money. We need to ask ourselves, and we need to be honest with ourselves this morning. When was the last time I did something extravagant because of my devotion to Jesus? Not because I felt I had to do it, or that it was the right thing to do, or, or I knew I would feel guilty if I didn't. When was the last time I threw caution to the wind and went ahead fully committed as I, gave my, as I gave of myself and what God has given me as I did it generously and sacrificially? Extravagant love. Like that of Mary. It's the kind of love to which we are all called to. Indeed, it's the kind of love that Jesus himself showed us. For you see, just a few days after Mary anointed Jesus with that perfume and with her hair, Jesus rode into Jerusalem and gave himself up to die on the cross for you and for me.